Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, 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 I'm Ben. And I'm Nicole, and you're listening to Wicked and Grim. A true crime podcast. Yeah. Warning. The following podcast contains graphic content and material intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Sup, welcome to episode four. Episode four—it's so exciting. We're actually—we're getting like some momentum on this, and I'm digging it. Yeah, it's a—it's uh, becoming in our routine. Sit down, do the podcast, do it the is. Instagram thing, talk to people. I like it, but the research. next one—the next one—I'm gonna have to research, and I haven't started. So, do you even know what you're gonna research yet? Um, do you want me to be truthful? <laughs> the truthful answer is no, isn't no. it? No, no idea. I've got like a plethora of cases that I want to cover. I just haven't spent the time yet. Like I'm so interested in true crime. And I know like if I just spend five minutes, I'll probably have a list of like 10. Um, But I just haven't done that yet. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I listen to true crime podcasts and I watch like the Netflix and YouTube videos and stuff. And I'm constantly adding to it. And people talking to me about it lately too because this podcast being like, hey, you should cover this one or cover this one. So my list is growing by day. Well, it's actually funny because I feel like you listen to true crime podcasts more than me now and before it was reversed. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely the case now. I probably listen to like a, a true crime podcast, well, like Monday to Friday on my way home and from to and from work sort of thing. Because so. you get you can listen to one episode in one day, right? Yeah. Because you listen to half on your way and half on the way home. On the way to work and half on the way home. Yeah. Which kind of sucks That though, would suck. Because I'm like, I'm in the story. The suspense is building. How can you turn it off? Well, I have to. I got to work. So then I. Oh, I couldn't do it. I, I got to work for like nine hours a day. And then I have to like stew on the episode mm-hmm. all day at work. And then I get to finally listen to it. That sounds home. awful. It is terrible, but it works. But I just also want to throw it out there. If anyone has any like recommendations or or stories that they want us to do, like by all means, hit us up. Yeah. I would be totally fine with um, doing one that someone recommended. So probably just via Instagram. Hey, Wicked and Grim, send us a message. Yeah, send us a message. We'll make sure that there's a story up. Oh, so you yeah. can reply. We were supposed to do that already. We'll make sure we do it after recording this episode. Yeah. So make sure there's a story up where you can just like watch a story. It's going to be right at the very top. Click on it and you can just type in your your uh, response to us and what you want us to talk about. An ongoing submit requests. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm like freezing right now. Our house is freezing. <laughs> I have like a long sleeve shirt and a hoodie on, hood up over top of my head. But you're drinking cold beer, which I mean isn't helping you. I mean, when am I not drinking cold beer? That's very true. And it's funny because it's actually the warmest it's been in forever. It's like one degree outside and we're right? freezing. I know. Like spring is on its way. Although it's still technically winter right now. We got a little ways to go before spring's here. We still got snow. Lots of snow. Lots, lots. of cold. Yeah. It's making the Huskies happy, though. We went for a nice walk today. That was so nice, though. That's probably what, that's always what chills me. Well, and the wind out there today, yeah, that that definitely sets in a chill on, like, mm-hmm. your bones. So that's going to yeah. do it for us. And now the doggos are chewing on bones. Om nom nom. Maybe they'll leave us alone and Ripley won't fart in this podcast. Yeah. Oh, that was brutal. <laughs> that was brutal. Funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the, if they're listening to this one, you probably listened to episode three and I could hardly get through what I was saying because the stench was so bad. <laughs> I had a good laugh. I didn't even smell it. I don't know how. <sighs> Wonder what else I don't know how. What? I don't know how this case happened. I'm excited. A, a, a transition or not i don't know but <laughs> you put a lot of given me a lot of suspense for listening to this i've told like you nothing you, yeah but you've also said it's like so crazy and so wild that's basically all you've said so i'm quite intrigued it is it's um it's not like crazy and wild in a way that you're gonna think it is can you guys hear the bones in the background the dogs are in the bones you probably can 
I know Meek is being really loud. So if you hear that, sorry, it's just we the apologize. Doggos. I mean, it's better than them doing other things. Yeah, well, it's it, it's probably going to happen lots. We're in a tiny home recording a podcast with two huskies beside us. Yeah, well, they don't even know we're moving into a tiny home. Oh, we're moving into a tiny home this year, guys. In the summer, <laughs> <laughs> bomb dropped. Boom! We're selling Boom. our house. We're going to go to a tiny home. Anyways, we'll talk about that maybe on our Instagram or something or another another yeah. time later. Let's we got to get in. into this. I'm ready. So this is um, the Canada's largest manhunt to date. Like, to date. Which is kind of weird that I haven't heard of this then. I, I haven't heard of it until recently either. Um, it happened in 1931. Okay, that's probably why I haven't heard of yeah. it. And it is the case of the Mad Trapper of Rat River. Mm. Suspense naming there, hey? Rat like River. It. Okay. Um, so, it takes place in the northwest, in northwest Canada in, of course, the early 1900s. So, we're talking, like, Northwest Territories, the Yukon, like... North of us, even, which is kind of crazy because we're okay. very north. Yeah. Um, so a lot of like fur trading is still really prominent. Uh, Native North Americans, um, the Gwich'in tribe uh, lived in this area and they practice many of their traditional ways still. Uh, Hudson's Bay Company, the Northwest Company were also established in the area. So like a lot of fur trading's happening, a lot of hunting. And there was actually like the, during the Great Depression, a lot of people moved in this area and were like, developing themselves as trappers as well. A lot of them kind of got in over their heads though. So they didn't really know what they're doing, but that's, there's a lot of people trying to get into the industry is basically what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, this is way back in the day. Our parents weren't even alive then. Dang. It's way back in the day. Dang, no kidding. Wow. (laughs) It's almost a hundred years ago. Yeah. So in the summer of 1931, a man going by the name of Albert Johnson arrived in Fort McPherson by the way of the Peel River on a raft. Um, he joined, he entered Fort McPherson and he entered the uh, trading post, local trading post owned by the Hudson Bay company. Uh, the, the, the chief trader at the Hudson's Bay company named Bill Douglas. Um, he was at the trading post and he spoke shortly with this Albert Johnson. Okay. Um, Albert go, went in there. He was very abrupt, you know, kind of brushing by, um, some of the locals just kind of, he knew what he was doing. He, he was, was on a mission. He was on a mission. He was definitely not going to stop by Ardeen's and, you know, look at some stuff there and maybe go over to Sears, <laughs> not ordering out of the catalog. Like he, he knew what he was doing. He was going to get his stuff and leave. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Right. So he spoke shortly and ordered his supplies and evaded like any questions as he could. He was kind of like a shady looking figure sort of thing. Like Bill Douglas described him. He was a medium sized man between 35 to 40 years old. Slightly stooped shoulders, sun reddened skin, fly bitten, most likely. Well, he was just journeying on a raft. Well, he said he looked like he was a loner and obviously lived alone in the wilderness for months because oh, okay. of the sun reddened skin, fly bitten, that sort of thing. Like a hermit. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. He also said he was, <laughs> this is actually kind of funny, kind of like a, a jab at him. He's the most unlikely material for romance. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like burn. That's like a burn, like but very subtle almost. Right? Wow. Okay. There uh, he went there. Okay. Uh, yeah, definitely he went there. <laughs> uh, so he he ordered some supplies and you know he he left. And over the course of the next ten days, he spent fourteen hundred dollars on supplies, which is probably a ton of money back then, right? In nineteen thirty one, and he, of course you don't have debit or credit or anything. You're paying in cash. That's a ton. Um, to this, it would equal out today to be about twenty two thousand two hundred and forty dollars. <gasps> Holy man, he's loaded. Now, of course, there's inflation and stuff. Like, it's probably going to change today to tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. So it's an estimate. Um, and a thousand dollars today um, is a little less than sixteen thousand. Sorry, a thousand dollars then is a little less than the thick. Thousand dollars then is a little less than sixteen thousand dollars today. Just okay. to kind of give you a, a perspective. Okay. So over the course of the ten days, he spent fourteen hundred dollars, and he was carrying thousands in cash on him. Really? Which is really weird. Not not necessarily just for the inflation even, but trappers, they didn't do that. Well, yeah, I'm very intrigued of how he got all his cash. Well, everyone is. Am I going to find out? Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, you won't. I wish we could, but it's not the case here. Uh, So Bill Douglas also figured out that Albert was outfitting himself to trap up the Rat River in the Rat River country. Uh, Word quickly spread around. Uh, you know, through the town and everything of this this new individual. Mm-hmm. And it reached the, the local RCMP in a nearby settlement called a Clavic. And Constable Edgar Millen traveled to Fort McMillan 
to Fort McPherson, sorry, uh, to investigate this strange man, you know, like what's going on. Cause a lot of times when trappers come in a new area, they announce themselves like, Hey, you know, I'm going to be going to be trapping here. And especially to the local tribes, people in the Gwich'in tribe. And they, you know, like say, this but is what's he happening. Kept to himself. He kept to himself. He didn't announce himself. And Gwich'in tribe, a lot of times, even when a new guy came in, they would like help him out, you know, make sure that he, he knew the area, knew the land, or even would like sew clothing for him. I mean, he was well-equipped. None of that happened here. So it was a very strange situation. Yeah, it seems like it is. Interesting. So Edgar Millen traveled to Fort McPherson to investigate this guy and ensure everything was fine. So Millen was 30 years old and he was known for his good humor, you know, common sense and really good bushcraft. So he was an all around like good RCMP individual. And he was literally the, the perfect man to approach and talk to Johnson and learn more. So that's why he was dispatched, right? Oh, okay, makes sense. So Constable, Constable, I can't talk today. Constable Millen first went to the trading post when he arrived in Fort McPherson to talk with Bill Douglas and get some more information before he tracked down Albert Johnson. Um, while talking to Bill Douglas, he learned, you know, everything we've already learned. And then he came down the Peel River and he described him. And he also said that recently in the last couple of days, he bought a nine foot canoe off a local Gwich'in. Um, and by all indicate indications he still intended on trapping up the rat river what happened to his raft well i'm pretty sure that a canoe would be better than a shitty little raft that he managed to put together right so he upgraded basically there well yeah he's loaded might as well (laughs) yeah no kidding so constable millen said you know i better talk to him he doesn't know the rat river area he doesn't know what's going on because there's there's some rough waters up there there's the rat river rapids which are known for people to like not do too well on Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so Millen found uh, Albert Johnson at a steamboat landing just down by the river, introduced himself, uh, you know, shook his hand. And Albert was like reluctantly shaking his hand back and he was just kind of like, leave me alone. <laughs> pretty much. That was kind of his attitude. He asked Johnson if he could do anything for him. And John- Johnson was like super abrupt and hurried. And he was like, no, 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 I'm just leaving. So he's just. Just like wants to brush him off. Pretty much. Yeah. So Millen described Johnson. Again, as 30 to 40 years old, he's about five foot, 10 inches, upturned nose, a broad, flat face, curiously stiff features, ice blue eyes, and clean shaven, which was like really uncommon for trappers to be clean shaven. Well, he wasn't like completely clean shaven, but like fairly clean shaven, you know, maybe stubble or something like that. A lot of trappers, you know, get the big old burly beard. That's Yeah, actually, that's what I would picture in my head for sure. So he did, did not have that. And from his accent, Millen figured he was Swedish or from another Scandinavian region. So not local to the area at all. Hmm. So where the heck did this guy come from? Well, we don't know. Interesting. But we're going to carry on and see what happens. Let's see. Um, so Millen asked Johnson, you know, have you how he arrived at Fort McPherson. And Johnson said he arrived via the Mackenzie River. That's not true. Or not, not what... Uh, Millen was told by Bill Douglas at the trading post. He came down the Peel River. Oh, so this guy's already shady. Now, like Millen, is, he's he's got his wits about him. He's a very common sense driven guy. He he knows that like these rivers are fairly close together. Could be that they're mistaken for mm-hmm. one another or something like that. So he's kind of note to self, but it's not like a giant red flag. He's yet giving him the benefit of the doubt. Exactly. And also trappers were known to lie about where they're going very secretive right like they don't want people coming in the trapping area or knowing if they're in like good trapping country or oh, something okay and to to this day you talk to like a fisherman or, or hunters, a hunter they're kind they're of still like that very secretive i'm a hunter i know a lot of hunters i know family members who are hunters they're very secretive even though they're so close with me mm-hmm. so it's it's not uncommon for people to lie about that sort of stuff either yeah that makes a lot of sense so even if he was lying it's not like it's again a red flag mm-hmm. so anyways Johnson would need a trapping license, though. Okay, they even had licenses and stuff back in the day. Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. So Officer Millen offered, he's like, you know, you're if you're going to be trapping or anything, you need a trapping license. I can yeah. get one for you, like, right here. I can write one up. You're good to go then. Let's do the paperwork. Right? And he also said that I recommend you hire a guide to go up the rat with with you because of the dangerous conditions the rat rapids and all that sort of thing someone that knows that where the rapids are and all exactly that stuff. you're gonna go up the rat you're gonna you might drown you might yeah. want a guide who can like take you through the rapids properly know when to portage whatever it might be mm-hmm. but at this suggestion johnson got visibly upset and he was like no i'd like to be alone 
just shut down. He was getting angry. Eek. And this guy is just trying to help him. He seems like he's being really nice. Oh, just wait. He even said, I, I don't know if this is a direct quote. It was in quotations from the site I, I've picked it up on, but I don't know if it's a specific quote or they were just kind of writing dialogue for it. Okay. Um, but he said that police caused trouble for him. That's what he said to the police officer? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's like, please cause trouble for me. He's like, leave me alone. He doesn't like them. He's just putting it right out there. Yeah. So at that point, Millen was like, okay. He shrugged it off and just kind of left Johnson alone and walked away. Mm -hmm. So, and that was in the summer of 1937. So Albert Johnson takes off in his canoe. Don't really hear of him for a while until the winter. So winter came around. The local Gwich'in reported a man, of course, it's it's Albert Johnson, was sabotaging their traps. Oh. In the Rat River. Someone else sabotaging someone else's traps. Yeah, which is like a big old no-no. Yeah, what the heck? Back off, buddy. So he failed to pass these Rat River Rapids and set up at the mouth of the Rat River Canyon. You know, he was flinging the the traps into the trees and sometimes on reports even replacing them with his own. So he doesn't even have a trapping license. He's messing with other people's traps and he's just causing all sorts of trouble. He sounds kind of like an asshole. Uh, he sounds even more like an asshole when the Gwich'in tried to approach him about it. Okay. He threatened him with a rifle. What? Yeah. What a jerk. He's like, fuck off, buddy. Get out of here. This guy is, needs to just go back wherever he came from. Right. So the RCMP is like, yeah, okay, we need to take this report seriously. Like mm-hmm. the, this dude's causing some shit. Yeah. So they dispatched two constables, uh, second constable, A.W. King and Gwich'in special, special constable, Joe Bernard. There, there's a fair bit of names in this, different constables and stuff. I'm terrible with, with names, so I'm going to do my best to keep track of these people. At times, there's like 10 people. I just like, there's a bunch of them. So. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I will probably not be able to help you, so good luck. I know. <laughs> so it was Boxing Day when they set out via dog sled to go talk to Albert Johnson. Okay, that's fun. They want to keep this civil, you know, just be like, hey, dude, like, Stop being a dick. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be trapping, you need your trapping license, all this sort of I stuff. I want to go on a dog sled, though. I'm just going to put that out there. Well, they were doing this in like minus 40 degree temperature. Okay, maybe I don't want to do that then. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> but they knew this area well, though. So even though it was like super cold, it was winter, all that sort of stuff, they knew where they were headed. And it was mm-hmm. known as Destruction City. Destruction City is at the mouth of the Rat River Canyon before the Rat River Rapids. Okay. And it's called Destruction City because during the Yukon Gold Rush, hundreds of prospectors shipwrecked at the rapids. They couldn't oh, make wow. it through. And they wintered there and died of scurvy. Oh, my. That so, sounds awful. Again, Millen knew this. Gwich'in tribe knew this. All the locals knew this and tried to, you know, tell Albert Johnson, you should get tr- uh, a guide help you yeah, through the they rapids. Yeah, wanted him to not have this happen. And, of course, he turned, it, turned his nose away and it happened. He couldn't make it through. Surprise, surprise. Right? You should listen to your locals. They know their shit. They know what they're doing. So three days later, they rounded the bend on the ice of the Rat River and spotted the cabin that Johnson had built. So Bernard stayed down with the dogs as King approached. I'm, I'm just referring by last names now, just yeah. so you know. Yeah. So King approached the cabin and they noted that like snow, smoke was billowing from the stovepipe, like someone was clearly home, or so they figured, most likely anyways. Uh, smoke was billowing and a set of snowshoes were set by the front door. The cabin was handmade of logs. It's roughly estimated to be about eight foot by 10 feet wide. And the roof was made with like, you know, like log beams and then sod thrown on top, which was frozen solid. You know, it's winter now. That's so impressive to me that someone can just like build that alone. Right. And only in like a few months. Like, wow, this guy seems really, I don't know. He's got it. He just seems like he's a good outdoors person. Well, there was something weird about the cabin. It didn't stand very tall. So King figured that it looked like the cabin was like sunk into the gravel bed, like a good like three feet. Oh, really? So he would have like dug down three feet in the gravel bed on the side of a river before he built his cabin up. Interesting. Which is a little odd. Well, I mean, he's already odd. Yeah. <laughs> so King knocked at the door and there was no reply. You know, he's kind of waiting. He's like, hello, Albert, you know, RCMP. was mm-hmm. making sure everything's okay. You know, we heard of the incident, blah, 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 blah. So no reply. And King peered in through a small frosted window. And immediately from the inside, the window was covered up. So someone is inside. Someone's home. And oh, like he could see in and then all of a sudden it got covered up. Yes. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> right? 
So I thought I was awkward there. when someone came to my house. I mean, generally you are. Even if someone answers the phone, you're like, shh, don't answer it. I don't want to talk to anybody. I think that's just like people nowadays. Though. Oh, that is funny. But he covered up the window. He's definitely home. Uh, so King was like pissed. He's going to now have to go back all this distance that he traveled to get a search warrant and back to the site of the cabin, which is going to be approximately 160 miles. Oh, my goodness. Just because his asshole doesn't open the door. Right. So King was pissed. I would be too. Yeah. So Inspector Eames, in charge of the RCMP dispatch, uh, district uh, gave the warrant and sent Constable R.G. McDowell and Special Constable Lazarus Sitachulis. I- I'm going to refer to him as Lazarus because Sitachulis is really hard for me to rena- remember and pronounce. That's fair. <laughs> uh, sent them along with him. Uh, so he they went back to Klavik, got these people, and they're heading back to the site. So mid-morning on December 31st, they once again came up on the cabin. Bernard again stayed behind with the dogs. Lazarus went around back as King approached with McDowell as his cover. So you got Lazarus going around back of the cabin, King heading to the front door, McDowell oh, covering him. in case he runs or something. Yeah, and you got Bernard down at the river with the sleds. Okay, whole team. Whole team. They got four of them and one dude hunkered down in the cabin, maybe, if he's home. So King called out, are you there, Mr. Johnson? And he thought he heard a noise from inside to indicate, like, someone's in there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he knocked on the door. And there's no answer. So King goes, you know, we have a warrant, you know, open up. Open the freaking door. It's RCMP. Door. Uh, so he begins, he's like, I'm not going to go back. We have no answer. I'm pretty sure there's someone in there. We have a search warrant. He starts kind of like shouldering the door, trying to like budget open. Oh, he's Like kind of body checking business. it, right? Shoulders it once, you know, it's not really moving. He shoulders again, didn't move. Then all of a sudden, bang. There was a shot through the door and King was shot <gasps> in the chest. What? Yeah, King oh was shot gosh. in the chest. And I really ribs. like this person, King. So King fell backwards. And he was shot in the chest, and a gunfight began to ensue. King, King managed Christ. to stand to his feet and stumble to a nearby little bit of willows, and fell down and began crawling down the bank of the river. Because uh, what had happened was there's gun holes or there's holes drilled in all four corners of the cabin, where Albert Johnson could stick his rifle out and shoot. So now the gunfight was ensuing through these holes to McDowell and Lazarus. Holy, this guy has planned it out, eh? Yeah, yeah. Is this King guy going to live? Uh, well, we'll get there. Huh. So King crawled back down to the riverbank. Um, Lazarus and McDowell as well made it down. Uh, King was bandaged. He was bundled up and strapped to the dog sled, and they rushed him back to the hospital. But remember, this is not, like, it t- takes them three days to get there, right? Holy. So day and night they traveled and they made it back in 24 hours, half the normal time. Wow. They were like, they're described as like their thighs were like ice cold, like freezing and numb. And they carried them in. The, well, also these poor dogs. That's where my mind went right oh, there. They were they like, okay? They were like dead tired. Yeah. Dead tired. They deserved a good meal. So the bullet just missed his heart by an inch. Wow, so he's lucky. Yes, King managed to survive. Oh, thank goodness. But then they just left this crazy mofo out there, Well, eh? what else are they going to do? I guess. He's obviously nuts. So they managed to make it back. King's barely made it with his life. He uh-huh. almost got shot in the heart. Um, Inspector Eames um, at a clavic learns of this and quickly makes a team to go back. Oh, quickly establishes, gosh. like, okay, we need to get some guys out here because now we have... We want we have a wanted man now, not just like a. Well, he injured a friggin' RCMP. Yeah, officer. he shot an RCMP officer. Yeah, it's no longer just like a tough between He's going a couple to jail trappers. Now. Yeah, so the team was Inspector Eames, McDowell, Lazarus, Bernard, and they'd also brought three trappers along with them, um, three local trappers who are you know really good shots, and they're really, oh. they really know the area, and they also brought them because they thought maybe. Um, Albert would have an easier time surrender, surrendering to trappers, just like he's a trapper, more relatable people, right? Oh my goodness. But I feel like these tra- trappers wouldn't have had to go. I wouldn't want to go. <laughs> I would not be volunteering well, for that. They went along and Millen also joined in as well. So there's the five of them plus the three trappers. So there's eight. But King like, is in the hospital. Oh yeah. King's okay. King's out of the story now. Okay. I have a feeling that that's probably lucky for him. Probably. Let's hear this. So they set out for the cabin armed with their guns 
as well as dynamite. Oh, okay. So they arrived and they set up on both sides of the cabin and they waited. He knows they're there. Guaranteed. Well, after waiting, eventually they heard some clanging of what they think were dishes inside. So, okay, clearly he's in the cabin because they weren't sure if he's in there. Maybe he could be out on doing some trap and stuff. Exactly, Who knows? Yeah. Rubbing one out in the bush, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt it. Would you do that in the comfort of your home? Probably. A little warmer. <laughs> so after hearing the, the utensils and dishes clanging, Eames calls out, Johnson, this is the RCMP. Come out. There's no serious charge against you. The man you shot isn't dead. There's still a serious charge against well, him. Well, like not serious. He didn't, he didn't kill, kill someone. someone, I guess. You know, it's not a murder charge. So he's trying to lure him out. He's trying to like, you know, it's a uh, bargaining situation yeah. sort of thing. So there's no response. It was quiet. Even though they clearly know he's in there, but okay. Yeah. And after a while, all of a sudden, <gasps> gunfire from the cabin. Again. Again. So gunfight ensues. Uh, so two men actually managed to make it up to the door during this gunfight. And they start trying to smash in the door. Because he's, he's not shooting. But he is shooting at the door at the door too, though, right? Well, so they're brave because they've got eight guys surrounding the cabin, right? Yeah. And he's shooting out through these little tiny holes in each corner, so he can't really see very well. So oh, he can't okay. really see these guys coming up. And to they the door. know where the holes are now and stuff. Mm -hmm. So okay, okay. So they try start breaking down the door, and they get the door about half broken down um, by the time they are drove off by gunfire through the door. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, inside, they said when they were smashing this door, they saw that it was double walled. It was like reinforced inside. So you have your outside log wall and there was an inside log wall as well. Interesting. I'm so intrigued to hear what the inside looks like. Oh, it was like fortified. Uh, so the shooting continued for a long while and it was basically a standoff. Mm -hmm. They couldn't get Albert to come out or anything and they're not going anywhere. So it's just shooting back and forth, back and forth. Um, they set up a fire down by the river and they decided, you know, we, we, we need to do something. We've got this dynamite here. Let's thaw it out. So they weren't, they don't, it's not a dangerous situation really. They're, they're thawing it out by the fire. They're not lighting it on fire. I just want to make note of that because it sounds dangerous thawing dynamite out by a fire, but think, it's good. <laughs> I feel like anything involving dynamite is dangerous, but. Well, what happens next is a little dangerous for sure. Uh -oh. They decide that they're going to throw a stick of dynamite at the door of the cabin and try and blow it open. Well, yeah, at that point, you're going to do that. Unfortunately, the first one fails. It, no one was injured. Oh, I was like, who died? <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> like midair, it, it blew up before it hit the door sort of thing, right? Oh, okay. Um, so they, they continue to use dynamite and try and get this door blown open. Um, and... They kind of get the door blown open. This still, is, it's just not working so well. The the cabin is so reinforced that the dynamite isn't doing a lot of damage. This guy knows what he was doing, hey? Oh, definitely. He's a serious plan in action right now, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, so continuing this gunfight and some dynamite at 3 a.m. in the dark, because you know they've been doing this all day now and into the night. Um, Ames and another man rush the cabin in the dark. And when they reach the door, because the door is like mostly broken open now, right? Mm -hmm. At the door, they turn on the flashlight to try and like surprise him, blind him. Mm -hmm. Immediately as the light was turned on, the flashlight was shot out of his hand. Immediately. Holy, who is this guy? So this guy is like an excellent marksman. He's building a freaking bunker and he's holding off the RCMP like no tomorrow. Yeah, this is insane. So that failed. Now, the temperature that they're they're dealing with is approximately 50 below zero. Holy hell. These guys are dealing with frostbite on their face, their fingers. They're tired. They're freezing. Of course, they're dogs as well. Oh, no. So they had to go back to a Klavik again. Holy And re-strategize. This is insane. Oh, it, it, it gets brutal. Trust me, we're just ramping up here. Okay, well, I already feel like this is a bit much. This guy is like nuts. Oh, but... this, well, he's the mad trapper of Rat River. 
Um, and actually funny that we're on that topic right now, because around this time, the radio and news sources um, began picking up the story. And it's like mostly like amateur radio stations and stuff at the time, like nothing big. Mm-hmm. Um, but word was starting to get out of the situation and it was getting across like all across North America. It wasn't just the local area. Now it was like a lot of people knew about the story and media dubbed him at this time, the mad trapper of Rat River. So that's where he got his name. It's from the media. Okay. That media. Yeah, yeah, they, they do it every time. They got to get the nicknames in there. I think I'm picturing this to be happening way earlier in time, like 1800s or something, because I'm like, oh, they have radio. <laughs> I think you might be. It's my 1931. Ima- my imagination is just like, okay, I'll, I'll calm it down. I mean, let your imagination go, that's for sure, but they, they definitely <laughs> did have radios. So Eames and his crew arrived on January 17th and set up base camp at the mouth of Rat River. So they've already gone to Klavik and they're now back and the Rat River Canyon to try and take him on once more. Okay. However, this time the cabin was abandoned. Oh. So they got to look at the bunker or the cabin, yeah. whichever one you want to call it. I mean, I would imagine. It's a smart actually that it's abandoned. Of course they'd come back. Yeah. So inside the cabin, um, there was bunkers dug out just big enough for Albert to sit in, in the gravel, in the, in the ground. And they were lined with spruce boughs. There was a fire designed on the back wall designed perfectly to reflect the heat right back into these little bunkers very well thought out he's smart he is there was no signs of trapping activity um there the only thing that they really found in there was like of course gun shells and some like half eaten like elk scraps of like meat and things like that okay so there wasn't really much to find in there but they did find that you know it's double walled it's it's not a cabin it's it's basically a military bunker that this guy built I was expecting it to be a little bit more exciting in there, but okay, I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) So they knew he couldn't have gone far um, because of the weather and in all this, there was a recent blizzard and they knew he was on foot. So he's in this canyon, minus 50 degrees. He can't be going that far, even Mm -hmm. if he has days on them. So they combed the Rat River Canyon for four different days trying to find him. And due to supply issues with all the men that he has, Eames decides that he's going to send most of the people back, um, himself included, um, and he's going to keep a couple guys there to keep searching. So he took Millen to stay and his three best shots, which were Carl Gunland, Noel Verville, those guys are both trappers, and an army sergeant, Frank Riddle, or Riddell. To I think stay. It's Riddell. Yes, so those four stayed. And when I say like best shots, I mean like with a rifle, like good aim, good accuracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he's not he's not making it very far. That's why these guys are staying to track him. Hopefully they can get a trail because he like he can't use his rifle. He's got he's all his food that he's carrying is in his bag. He can't hunt because if he uses his rifle, he'll be given away. Right. Well, yeah, and even to set a fire. Right. Fire smoke's gonna give yeah. you away. The flame at night's gonna give you away. So he's got a, he's got a heavy backpack. He's can't really do much because he's going to be given away. They estimated that because of the conditions and everything, he's going to need to intake about three to four times the normal calories because he's essentially running a marathon every day as far as he's traveling and going through the snow and the weight he's packing. Right. And even just like the coldness and having to keep your body warm would burn calories. I feel like all the conditions and everything. Yeah. So, hold on, where am I here? Okay, so they tracked Johnson the best of their ability, picking up his trail occasionally. They, he did his best to hide tracks, walking on like frozen ice, frozen spots of the snow. Um, some, there's even uh, at points he wore his snowshoes backwards to try and send them in the wrong direction. Really? Yes, yes. Okay, I think that's genius. <laughs> and they could tell that he was headed for Alaska across the Great Divide. Huh. So he's headed west. On January 28th, Riddell found an old trail and spotted a light off in the distance after he followed it. Now, it, this is at night, so he can kind of climb up on this ridge and get a look. And Riddell goes back and get Verville, and they see this man tending a fire. He's not very far away. Only like, I think it was like 60 yards or something like that. The oh, city and, was waiting. and he actually is lighting a fire. Yeah, and he didn't know they were there, but they didn't, they didn't do anything about it. They... They were contemplating taking a shot, but these two guys are trappers. They're not RCMP officers, so they don't want to get charged with manslaughter. Yeah, but isn't that what they're there for? Well, they don't even know if it's the right guy. 
okay, okay. That that's smart. Then that's good. So they go back and get Constable Millen. And the next morning, all four men, they peer over the same ridge and no person's in sight, but the camp is still there. They approach the camp and Johnson was immediately seen diving into a trench, a snow trench that he had dug out. So this guy's already ready. He's on the ball. He probably knew they were there then. Maybe, or he's just that prepared every time. I guess. So of course, gunfight ensues. Shots are being fired. Millen even called out to to Albert Johnson to give up. And then two hours of silence. Two hours of them waiting for Albert to give well, up or say just something. In his trench. Yeah. So there's a couple fires or a couple gunshots back and forth. He's like, give up. And silence. Maybe he was just hours. having a little nap. Maybe. <laughs> so after two hours, finally they decide to move in and more shooting begins. And unfortunately, <sighs> the two trappers see Millen fall face forward into the snow. Oh, no. They managed to crawl up behind him, tie his boots together, and drag him back. And there's reports, um, not that I've seen any facts on it, but there's some people claiming that at this time they heard Johnson laughing. <gasps> uh, but they turned him over, and yes, Johnson, or sorry, uh, Officer Millen was unfortunately dead. Okay, was he the only RCMP there because the other one was Army? And the yes. two are trappers? Yes, sorry. So there's there's uh, oh. Constable Millen, two trappers, and the army sergeant. Frig, this guy is a piece. I'm getting angry now. So Someone's they inspected dead. his rifle and they found that a screw caused a misfire in his gun, giving Albert Johnson the moment he needed to shoot Officer Millen. Unfortunately. Oh, so it so. was his gun that did it? Yeah. Oh. So the three remaining men took care of of ensuring that animals couldn't get to Officer Millen and everything like that. Um, and Riddell, after that, uh, they made sure, or sorry, Riddell went back to a Klavik to get Eames. So he's, the two guys are staying there, and Riddell goes back. Mm -hmm. And on February 4th, Eames and 10 others, this is where I start <laughs> not talking about names because there's too many people to keep track this of. This is a manhunt now. Oh, it's, it's a manhunt and a half. Yeah. And remember, this started on, was it Boxing Day? So we're now into February 4th. Oh, wow. So hey. This is over a month now. Yeah. So 10 others arrived on the scene. And unfortunately, Johnson escaped during one night silently. They didn't know he left. And he left no tracks except to come over and look at uh, Officer Millen's body. Seriously? Yes. And then he left and Fuck his tracks off. vanished. That pissed me off. <laughs> like, really? Just yeah. like, oh. Okay. That's nice of him. Three more days they were looted by Johnson. As he cleverly hit his tracks constantly, you know, making sure he's on and off his snowshoes, backtracking, snowshoes on backwards, walking on icy patches, doing what he can to hide. He's zigzagging everywhere. What is this guy's He's deal? out running dog sleds on his, or by foot. And he's backtracking, oh, yeah. going okay. in circles, all this sort of stuff. And he's out running dog what is sleds. He exactly hiding here? This is so intriguing. So by this time... There was a pilot, Captain C.W. May, who served in World War I and actually even fought against the infamous Red Baron. Um, he solved their reoccurring supply issue because, again, Eames is going to have to take guys off because they're running out of food, especially like for the dogs even, mm -hmm. food supplies. So this pilot manages to bring the supplies and can go back and forth and get supplies as needed. So now they don't have to abandon and rejoin. It's okay. just a solid manhunt now. Good. And by this time, he goes up in the air and he kind of sees where Johnson's been heading and they realize he's going to cross the Great Divide. Uh, do you know what the Great Divide is? By the I way? actually don't. I was going to ask and I was like, did you already say what it was? And I forgot. So a continental divide is what it is. Great Divide is like its nickname. Um, it's a large drainage divide on a continent where one side of the mountains drain off into one ocean and the other side of the mountains drain off into another. So it's that big hmm. that it actually divides the drainage of the the continent. Interesting. And so this runs right down Canada into the States from, from the Yukon, the mountain okay. range, in the Rockies, right? Okay. So he's crossing that rocky range in the middle of winter, solo, by foot, in minus 40 to 50 weather, in blizzards and snow. It's an impossible task. I the, feel like... The local Gwichins are even saying there's no way a man can make that alone. It's but impossible. The fact that he's still even alive, I feel like, is a miracle. Yeah, it is. 
So February 13th, Captain May led a recon flight where they found his tracks where he, oh, sorry, he found his tracks where he joined tracks of a caribou herd on the other side of the divide. He made it across. He did foot. it. He did it. So by February 15th, the crew made it to the other side of the divide and they are four days now estimated behind Johnson. Holy, so this guy's is, hustling. Right? And like I said, by foot, they've got a plane. These guys have dog sleds and he's four days ahead. I can't believe this. Oh, it's, it gets crazier. Luckily, there was an old trapper on the other side of the mountain in a, a local area there by the name of Frank Johnson that showed them a portage route that helped them gain on Johnson. And by February 16th, they found his trail where he left the, the caribou herd tracks and they estimated that they were no more than 36 hours old. So they have gained oh, they're significant they're really time. they're catching up with him. Yeah. And at this time, another uh, another individual joined the hunt, Ma Major Earl Hershey, um, among other people. Um, so he was a bit of a significant individual in this, in this role. Okay. So noon the following day, after finding his his trail sorry i'm like just going off information here but there's so much to this i know well and i'm just so i'm very engaged <laughs> so noon, noon the following day after finding his trail they're going down the frozen eagle river when her hersey i think that's how you say his name hersey um he turns a bend and he sees albert unfortunately albert sees him too oh dang for whatever reason he was walking towards him he was backtracking most likely to confuse their trail again so, okay, so he had, probably has no idea how, how much they gained on him. Yeah, they probably no think clue. He's, he thinks they're still way back. So face-to-face -face around this bend, I mean, they're, they're a little bit away. They're not like nose to nose. Right, but. yeah. So it was a mad scramble, and they're in the middle of a river, steep river banks on either, either side of them. Hersey takes a knee and fires a shot, as well as another individual behind him takes a shot as Johnson scrambles and tries to make it up one bank. He couldn't make it up the bank. It was too steep. And he's scrambling and they're shooting back and forth in this. And unfortunately, um, during this mad scramble, as he's coming back down that bank, headed to the oversight, other side of the river, um, Hersey gets shot from Albert as well. What the frig? I thought this Johnson guy was going to get shot for sure at this point. Because they caught him when he wasn't prepared, finally. They did catch him when he's not prepared. We'll, we'll see what happens. He tries to get up the other side of the river. Again, it's too steep. He's stuck on the frozen river. So he tries to run. But of course, by this time, the entire crew has caught up and he's got a whole whack of people firing at him now. Yeah. Not everyone's firing yet because they're still trying to get him to surrender. They're shouting at him, give up, give up. As he's running away, they see him stumble a little bit. And some reports oh, say shot? some reports say they think he got shot. Other reports say he was just throwing his backpack down because he immediately turned around and took cover behind his backpack and started returning fire. So what happens next, clearly he's not giving up. He's returning fire. Everyone begins shooting. Yeah. They have to get him at this point then. Yeah. So what happens, shooting back and forth, shooting back and forth, because, you know, Albert's not answering. Again, he never answers. They never heard a single peep from him, but they could see him wince every time a bullet hit. Oh, my god. He never gosh. made a noise, but they could see him wince. They could see him move. They could see him flinch, but he, not a noise came out of him. Man, I feel like this guy is just a machine. And 10 minutes after noon, when they ran into him at noon, so 10 minutes later after this firefight, Albert laid still. Now they're thinking this might be a trick because he's definitely pulled tricks on them in the past. Yeah, but I also feel like how bad are their shots? He has to be done. Well, you have an army sergeant. You have RCMP. Exactly. You have trappers. Like he has to be done. So they walk over to him and turn him over. He is, in fact, dead. Mm -hmm. Autopsy showed that he was shot with five bullets, and one of the bullets actually severed his spine, which Holy. is what was the shot that killed him. I guess so. And when they turned him over, he was a withered shell of a man, scrawny, but he had this like smirk on his face almost. I, I looked at the photo, and I'm going to post like the drawing on our Instagram, and that drawing is from the photo taken when he's turned over. Uh, that, you saw the fo the photo of him after he died? Yes. It's not gruesome whatsoever. I just don't want to post a photo of a dead guy on Instagram. So mm -hmm. I'll post the drawing of it because it's like an infamous photo. 
but he, he doesn't really look like he's smirking to me, but he's, his teeth are definitely showing. He's, he's baring his teeth for sure. But I don't know if it looks like a grin to me or not. But. Well, he's probably just like, I don't know, hunkering down like, oh, like. Yeah. Yeah. So they estimate he traveled by foot approximately 150 to 250 kilometers over the course of this manhunt. Wow. Which was far more than 30 days and an average temperature of minus 40 degrees celsius maybe that's a good diet plan eh? maybe that's what i need to get on <laughs> i mean it would work i don't know if i would say it's a good diet plan but it's a diet plan <laughs> yeah the new age diet plan uh, and to this day they still don't know who albert johnson was are you kidding me it's a mystery if that's even his name oh i was just ready for the juice to come out of what the this guy was up nope. to several hundred people have wrote written into the RCMP claiming to know him. Mm -hmm. um, some called him the Blueberry Kid, which is some, I don't know, criminal guy. I didn't research the Blueberry Kid at all. Interesting. But, um, others claimed him to be a murderer from Michigan, a World War I sniper, ex-provincial policeman, a husband, father, brother, son. He's RCMP definitely a badass. Sorry for interrupting. Oh, no, yeah, he's a badass for sure. Oh, ah, that reminds me. There was an article I, I came across. I'm going to see if I can find it again and put it down in the notes below. It was like badass of the week or something like this. And someone wrote an article on this guy. Their description was hilarious of this event because they don't hold back. They're cursing. It's wearing this motherfucker did this and this. God damn. Like it was just the way they wrote. It, it's hilarious. I highly recommend you check it out. Well, he seems like a machine, like oh, not a person, was. but just like, oh, the RCMP investigated is meant like all these calls that they could they use fingerprints dna run testing at the time like it's not very advanced yeah. but yeah. and nothing came up from any of them wow the most promising call or sorry lead they got um called him arthur nelson from 1925 he was from british columbia and he went to the yukon where he disappeared in 1931 and it was only two months later where albert johnson appeared there are other, there's some other like deep theories out there. I didn't mm -hmm. want to like get into theory stuff on this. Yeah. Uh, but still none of them came up with any concrete evidence. Then in 2007, they exhumed Johnson's body from a clavic where he's was buried. Interesting. To run some DNA tests okay. on these, you know, like That's Arthur recent. Nelson. Yeah. It's not too yeah. long ago. And all DNA tests have ruled out all known potential matches, including this Arthur Nelson. So we still, to this day, have no fucking clue who Albert Johnson was. Really? The Mad Trapper of Rat River. Wow. That's amazing to me. Was that like, a okay, story that you were expecting? Many, he killed, he only, was a, he only killed one person though, right? That other, because wasn't there, he got shot, um, but it, he didn't die, did he? He killed one other individual. So he shot, uh, now I can't remember names. He shot the first individual mm -hmm. through the chest, through the door, who survived. Second individual was Millen, who yeah. passed, passed away. Um, and the third individual was Hersey, who was shot. And he actually just survived. The, the doctor said if they arrived minutes later, he would have passed. Oh, so wow. they, they got him to the hospital literally just in time. Oh, okay. Thankfully, uh, via the plane. Oh, yeah. I can't believe how many people that, that he had coming after him. Yeah. And he freaking got away, like, to... For a long time. Yeah. He didn't make a peep and he just didn't talk. He just kept going. So as and out running the dog sleds by yeah. foot and backtracking. Like I it doesn't make sense. Like as crazy machine. as like a mofo as this guy is, he actually is like a little bit admirable. Like you said, he's a badass. Yeah. I'm not gonna say admirable. He can do some shit and he's a badass. Okay, well, the fact that he can outrun that many people and is like so well in the outdoors and stuff i guess i just think that's like holy because i'm the furthest from that they should make a movie of this they should i wonder if they have i know there's books written about it i know there's documentaries about it but i don't know if there's a movie i didn't come across anything like that hmm. well done thank you that was no, a good it's one actually and not shout out to uh, hayden at work for putting me on this one so that was a good good one yeah good job I've never heard of it. That's awesome. Well, now you have the now Mad Trapper of Rat River. But there you go again with your ones that don't have proper outcomes for me. I like the mystery ones. 
I like to know when there, what's happened, where they are now. It's all like there is. You know everything except I know that's nothing his real about name. him. You know when he appeared, and you know how he died. You know everything in between there. Yeah, but I want to know a bit more. Well, if you want to know a bit more, I recommend you research it because they they dove into it. They released everything that was in his pack and all this sort of stuff. It's just Ooh. too much for me to really get yeah. into. What's in his pack might be a little bit I, interesting, I did actually. actually take a screenshot on my cell phone. So if you really want to know what's in his backpack when he died, I can tell you. I just got to pull up the picture on my I phone I feel here. like some other, like, hopefully none of the dogs or anything died during this chase because that would have been hard on them too. There was no report of it. I'm very, so we have two huskies i think we've mentioned this before so i'm all about this dog we have team like one third of a dog team already okay so what was in his pack he had a razor a comb a mirror needle thread oil rag fish hooks wax matches nails axe pocket compass 119 shells a knife made from an old tarping strap tarping spring sorry um all in a neatly sewn moose hide case five freshwater pearls, some gold dust, $2,410 in bills, and two pieces of gold bridge work that were not his own. So by bridge work, like gold teeth. Oh, interesting. Huh. Okay, That I mean, I guess that's what I kind of expected to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> you expected him to have someone else's gold teeth in his bag? I don't know. Nothing in that pack surprised me overly. So. <laughs> well, we went through the information, so. Huh, interesting. I guess now I know what I have to pack if I'm going out in the yeah. wilderness. This was one badass dude. Or if I, if I may, one wicked dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he wasn't a good dude. No. All right, well, let's wrap this up. So you're doing next episode, though? I am doing the next episode and I'm giving no hints because I don't know what it's going to be on yet. <laughs> you got to do your research. Got to hurry up. Yeah. I de- and, and while I'm doing my research, I'm definitely going to dot down a bunch of cases that I'm interested in too because I know there's lots. So and if you guys have any, in- any cases you want to recommend us, head us, hit us up on Instagram at Wicked and Grim. It's as simple as that. Just give it a search. You'll find us and let us know what you think. Perfect. Okay. You want to send us out here? I'm ready. Okay. Stay wicked. Boom. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.